Hi, Pastor John here, and I just want to thank you for downloading or streaming this service from North Carolina Baptist Church. We pray that our new online platform allows you and encourages you to interact with one another as far as offering prayer and other concerns that you may have through the service. We also want to invite you, if you want to support what God is doing here at North Carolina Baptist Church, to give online at any time on our website or our app. So enjoy the following message. We pray that it stirs your heart, it stirs your mind for the things of God, and ultimately all for His glory. Well, good morning, and thank you so much for tuning in to our Sunday morning service. Uh, we are going to jump right in. We are so excited to get into uh, our series as we continue through the things that Jesus never said. Uh, we are excited for that. And I want to let you know at the beginning, um, we are praying that God would really shape and encourage and challenge all of us to really understand the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus never said, that we would be changed into the image of Christ. And let me just say this, some of you might be thinking, well, what in the world is a church doing talking about the things that Jesus never said? Uh, you're supposed to talk about the things that Jesus said. Uh, but I truly believe that when we understand not only what he said, but what he didn't say, it gives us so much more insight and it makes the things he did say so much more powerful. Because there's a lot of times that we would say things a certain way, we would handle things a certain way, but I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ spoke truth and gave us grace, and he mixed those two in a wonderful balance. And so I want to kind of dive into uh, this topic over the next couple of weeks and see where God would lead. We are in week two of our series, and last week we discovered that the first thing that we talked about Jesus did not say was you don't have to forgive them. You don't have to forgive them. And let me just say this too, if you missed last week's service, uh, I encourage you to go back and watch that some point today or this week. Um, also want to let you know and just remind you, uh, our Wednesday evening services, those links are also being posted on our Facebook page. You can get those through the app and the website as well. Uh, those get posted uh, around 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. And so tonight we'll also have our uh, evening service will be posted around 6 as we continue through the book of Romans, and so encourage you to uh, continually be plugging into the Word of God through uh, our app, our website, however is best for you, and, and maybe you would encourage someone that you know that is going through a hard time right now uh, to share with them a message of hope that we pray would, would lift their spirits and put their eyes on, on Christ. And so as we're diving into uh, week two, I want to just ask uh, kind of a question to get our our minds around this idea of what we were talking about. And I want to ask, you can raise your virtual hand uh, there in your living room or wherever you're watching this. You can raise your hand. And if you uh, are watching this later and uh, maybe you're out in public, uh, that's okay. Just if you raise your hand, don't worry about it. People may judge you, but it's fine. Um, I want to ask you, how many of you would say as a follower of Christ that you have had a bad day? You've had a bad day. Raise your hand. Okay, I don't even have to see you to know that you're raising your hand. Uh, we've all had bad days. Now, I know in this day and age, right now, with everything going on around us, that, that some of you are experiencing so much more than just a bad day. Uh, you're going through some real serious struggles right now, some real serious 
trials. Maybe you're a small business owner and you're just really struggling with how to keep the doors open or how to keep things going so that when you can open the doors again, that there's actually a business there to come back to. Uh, maybe some of you have been laid off from your jobs and are trying to figure out what the next steps are. Maybe you're trying to figure out unemployment options and, and you're just so frustrated by the website and you're not seeming to get anywhere with that. Uh, maybe your health is in jeopardy right now. Maybe you have some health concerns and, and maybe because of all this you're not able to get in to see your doctor like you normally would or uh, maybe you've uh, been battling because you have a family member or struggling because you have a family member that's battling with something right now. Um, maybe during this time, this, this kind of very unique time in our world's history and in our community, you're experiencing more than just a bad day. You're experiencing some serious troubles. Then I want you to know this message is for you. Uh, if you're there listening and, and you would say, you know what, Pastor, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I feel pretty good. I mean, everybody has a bad day, just the stresses of everyday life. And let me just encourage you, this message is for you. Uh, because the reality is, and the truth is, uh, Jesus never said you won't have bad days. And so let's jump into the Word of God this morning. I want to see what did Jesus actually say. And by knowing what he said, we can see what he actually did not say. So the Gospel of John, if you have your Bible... You can turn there. Um, if you're uh, on our uh, live feature here this morning, uh, you can click on the Bible uh, feature there and, and that'll pull that up. Or maybe you've got your other device open and maybe you're in the Word of God. Maybe you've got a paper Bible and that's where you're getting into. But John chapter 16, I want to look at a couple of verses this morning and I'm going to give you a lot of verses that you're going to be uh, encouraged to look up on your own uh, for time's sake. We, we can't go through all of them. And so I want you to take notes. I want to encourage you to get Get a piece of paper out, maybe a pen, uh, maybe highlight some things in the scriptures and also jot some notes down so you can study them later. So the Gospel of John, which goes without saying, one of the best Gospels because, I mean, it's the name John is in the Gospel. So it's a great name, great Gospel. Um, I love this Gospel and a great name to call a Gospel. And so uh, John chapter 16 and verse 20, John chapter 16 and verse 20 um, it's kind of weird. Usually when I make a joke like that, um, I would hear a little chuckle um, in the audience. And let me emphasize little chuckle, a little laugh. Um, so maybe I should get like a laugh track so that when I'm doing the videos, you guys can kind of hear laughing in the background. Of course, some of you think that's the only way I would get laughs is if I did a laugh track. Um, that's fine. I'm praying for you. And I pray God will work in your heart. So John chapter 16 and verse 20. Let's jump into the word of God. And see uh, a very interesting couple of verses, but I pray that it would open our hearts and minds to what God has for us. And so, uh, John sixteen twenty, verily, verily, I say unto you, and verily, verily is like Jesus' way of saying, pay attention. Uh, this is important. I want you really to listen to what's being said here. Uh, verily, verily, I say unto you, that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail hath sorrow, because her, her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And so that word travail is the idea of giving birth, childbirth. And so we'll unpack this a little bit, but let's open in prayer and ask God to lead God and direct. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We pray that you would be glorified in all that is said and done. We pray that you would be our focal point this morning as we gather around your word and gather together as the church through this technology that we have before us. Father, I pray that you open up our hearts and minds to the reality of what you said 
and how it can impact our lives and how we can apply these truths to our lives so that we would be encouraged and strengthened to go into every single day with a confident hope that you are with us and not against us, that you have equipped us and strengthened us with all that we need to make an impact in this world, even though things may not go as we want or as we thought they would. Father, give us wisdom in all of these things, and we pray that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So John chapter 16, uh, verses 20 through 21, talk about a very interesting dynamic. Um, and now, before we get into even breaking that down even more, uh, you guys know me, I'm a big believer in uh, understanding what a verse is talking about as much as I can so that we can apply that verse to our lives in the most effective way possible. The way we do that is by asking some questions. We understand the word is context. We understand the context of these two verses. We've got to be so careful we don't just take verses out and apply them to whatever we think they fit in. Uh, we can get very off track very fast. Uh, we can start to live some things and believe some things about God. And we even start to force things on others that really aren't really what we're supposed to be doing. And, and so context is huge. And so these two verses take place in John 16, which takes place in a bigger dynamic. And so let's understand the big picture so we can understand what these two verses are talking about. In this chapter, in John 16 specifically, uh, Jesus is speaking about two key things. One is the coming of the Holy Spirit as a comforter, which he talks about in John 14 as well. And we'll get to that in a minute. But John chapter 16 is dealing with the coming of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and then his departure. That he's getting ready to leave the disciples and go to the cross to be crucified and to be buried in the borrowed tomb. And so he's preparing his disciples for these couple of things that are happening. And the disciples who have lived with him for three and a half years or so are very uh, distraught by this news. Uh, this is so key to understand when we get into John 16, 20, 21, because the disciples are hearing this news and their heart is breaking. They're confused. They're distraught. They don't like what they're hearing. Now, what do you mean you're going to be leaving us? Uh, how can you leave us? What do we do then? What's after this? Um, uh, Jesus is here. Or disciples are hearing Jesus' words in 16, 16, John 16, 16. He says, a little while and you shall not see me. And again, a little while and you shall see me because I go to my Father, to the Father. Um, and so they will not see him again because he's going to the Father. But to them, to the disciples, this is horrible news. Uh, they are heartbroken that Jesus is leaving them. Now here's the reality of Jesus, and I love this about our Savior. He doesn't just gloss over that fact. He doesn't rebuke them for being distraught and, and heartbroken and confused. He actually gives them words of comfort, words of encouragement. And he does this by giving them the truth. Uh, Jesus knows their hearts and asks them, basically, is my comment about leaving bothering you? And we see this in John 16. Is my comment, what I said about leaving you, is that upsetting you? Is that bothering you? Are you confused about this? And it's in this window of time, it's in this picture of context, that he's leaving them. He's preparing them for his departure. He's talking about the coming of the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It's in this dynamic that we understand that Jesus speaks truth and tells them there will be sorrow in this life. And so what does Jesus say? What is the truth he communicates to them? You will lament. The word lament we talked about a few weeks ago with our look at the passage in Psalms, uh, but it basically means you'll experience difficult times, troublesome times. Uh, these disciples are going to go through some of the craziest time in their life following the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just between Jesus dying on the cross and him appearing to them 
after the resurrection. Crazy time. I can only imagine what they're going through, what they're feeling and thinking, and all the things that happened. You can read the end of the Gospel of John, and you find out that even some of the disciples were like, man, maybe we should just go back to our own ways of doing things. We'll just go back to fishing. Um, you know, they're just confused. They're, they're heartbroken. They're saddened by a lot of these things. Um, and so you read these things, and Jesus is preparing them for this because they're going to go through themselves a great deal of persecution. I mean, by the time you get to Acts chapter 12, I believe, you already read of the first disciple being martyred. You read of James being martyred and being killed for his faith just 12 chapters into the book of Acts. And so, so many things. Acts chapter uh, 7, you read about the stoning of Stephen and all the great persecution that was happening there. And so, all these things are coming. They're going to have some really, really bad days ahead. And Jesus is preparing them for that with his teaching. John sixteen twenty, he says, there will be sorrow. You see, here's the reality. We live in a fallen world with fallen people all around us. <clears throat> the word fallen just means sinful. We've all sinned. We all have the temptation to sin. There are those who don't even know Christ who will continue to sin and sin against us. We have a fallen nature. That means our, our flesh desires the things against God, not the things of God or for God. And so we will experience trouble and trials and hardships based on others' actions, based on our own actions, the consequences of our own choices, just living in a fallen world. Uh, all these things contribute to the bad days. Now, let me be real for a second here. And I, this may bother some of you, uh, but I pray that if you have questions, please reach out and see me. But I know that in today's day and age, of the what I kind of call the feel-good preaching, uh, this is that preaching that doesn't ever say there will be bad days, but only emphasizes the good and the, you know, you will get that raise and you will get that girl and you will get that guy and everything's going to go great and you'll never get sick and you'll always have money and blah, 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 if you just have faith and if you just speak it. That's the other thing. If you just speak a word of faith that you want to be a millionaire, then you'll be a millionaire. But the reality is that's not what Jesus said. And to be honest, I know that in today's day and age, that's a real popular preaching in a lot of places, to preach that stuff, uh, even when it's coming from the mouth of a pastor who supposedly pastors, and I say pastors in quotations, one of the largest churches in America. And when you, when you hear these teachings about how to, quote, live your best life now, uh, it frustrates me as a pastor when I get into God's Word and I see what Jesus actually said, I feel like when you tell someone it's only going to ever be good, when they get to the bad days, now they're left with a, a decision to make. Am I just not having enough faith? That must be the problem. The pastor lied to me when he said, it'll always be good, there'll never be any bad days. So then they're disheartened by their faith and they walk away from the church. Because they were lied to. But Jesus never lied. He always spoke the truth. And he said, guys, listen to me. I love you so much, I want you to know the truth. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be sorrowful days. And the reality is, we all know that. Nobody has to really be convinced of that. We have to talk ourselves out of it, not into it. We all know that's true, because we've all had bad days. The fact that there are bad days, and that we go through trials and troubles, does not make God heartless, that he allows us to experience pain. In fact, God loves us so much that he told us it was coming, and he gave us a wonderful gift through salvation to help us. He gave us the gift of a comforter. Now, this is where I was mentioning the notes. John chapter 16, uh, verses 5 through 15. Eye-opening passage. I encourage you to read it on your own time. But Jesus basically spends a lot of time at the Last Supper and after preparing the disciples for the reality that he is going to go to the cross, but he made sure they understood that when he leaves, he will send a comforter. 
Even John chapter 14, we see this. John chapter 14, verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless, Jesus says. He also tells us in John chapter 14, verse 27, that through the Spirit we will have peace, not as the world gives. The truth is there will be sorrow, lamenting, and the world will be rejoicing. Our hearts will break when somebody rejects Christ. Our hearts break when others turn from God or live in sin. But the world, see the problem is the world sees sin as pleasurable, so they rejoice in those things. We're over here struggling because we want to focus on Christ and live for Him, but it's contrary to the world around us, and so we may face persecution, we may face troubles and trials because our own flesh is at war against us. And we may think, man, what's going on here? Like the world's rejoicing, but I'm lamenting. I'm going through trouble sometimes. But Jesus said, take heart one day in the fullness of time when all things are to be. And I think it means when we stand before him that my sorrow will be turned to joy because I will see that, yes, while I went through a momentary time of struggle, man, what I have received in Christ through the joy of the Lord is so much greater. And any sorrow I go through in this world, any trouble will not compare to the joy that waits, awaits us in the Lord. And so our hearts break when we see these things in the world around us, but let's be honest, our hearts break when we see the, own, the inconsistencies in our own lives. When I see that I'm not consistent in my faith like I need to be, then my heart breaks and that causes trouble, trials, and hardships. But here's the reality of it, no matter where we are, whether you're living for Christ and you're striving for Him and you see the things around you and it breaks your heart, whether you see your own inconsistencies and it breaks your heart and that's causing you to have trials, or a sense of trouble in your life, please know, and I have to say this because I feel like we forget this so easily, there is grace. Please do not think, and I said it last week, I'm so thankful Jesus never said, you've sinned too much, you've used up all my grace. I'm so thankful that Jesus never said, you better do it this way and keep yourself clean and, and make sure you do this and make sure you do that or else I'm going to let you go. And he says, we are sealed unto the day of redemption, Ephesians chapter 1. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The comforter he gives us is the one who keeps us by his grace. And so no matter where you are, inconsistent right now in your faith and struggling and feeling just confused, man, get on your knees, focus on him, repent, and turn back to him. But the key we must understand is that the most encouraging thing Jesus could say to us today as his disciples and to his disciples back then was the truth. And the truth is there will be sorrow when I leave or when Christ leaves, depending on how we look at it. He told us that when I leave you, there's going to be sorrow. When he is apart from us now, there is sorrow. But he says, I will send one that will comfort you. So how does the Holy Spirit comfort us? Well, in the passage I referenced John 16, 5-15, read it. He tells us that he will lead us into all truth. That in Christ, this world and its struggles will one day pass away, but we will be with him forever. I also believe that understanding these things can change our perspective on the troubles we face by understanding that troubles, trials, and hardships will prove your faith. Will prove your faith. 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to go over here together this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. 1 Peter 1, 6. Verse 7 goes on to say that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing 
of Jesus Christ. See, the idea here of what Peter is encouraging us with is saying, listen, your faith will be tested, it will be tried, but it is more precious than gold. Because as it is tested and tried, we will realize and be reminded that we can stay faithful, that he is faithful to us so we can be faithful to him. Pastor Greg spoke on this a couple weeks ago, that, that God is so faithful to us, so let's remain faithful to him. You see, we need to be, we need to be reminded of our faith and that, that we can be faithful. God does not need to be reminded. Don't think that God is in heaven holding your salvation and saying, prove yourself to me and your faithfulness and I will be faithful to you. God is faithful to us in Christ, not because we are faithful to him, but because Christ was faithful to the Father to fulfill the plan of salvation. When we experience troubles and we turn and we fall on Christ and we fall on his grace, we go to him knowing that no matter what he is in control, that I am his and he is mine, we are proving to ourselves that we are truly followers of Christ. This is evidence that we have been changed. Now we all have doubts at times and struggle in our faith, but when we fix our eyes on him in the storm, in the storm, not only after, but in the storm, not knowing what will come, we are encouraged and we are strengthened with the reality of our belief. So many of us are like, man, God, do I really believe? And then we go through a trial and a struggle and a trouble. And when we find ourselves desiring and being pulled to the person of Christ, even in the midst of the storm, it affirms to us the reality that we are new creatures, that we have been changed, that the desires of our heart and our mind have been changed. And by the work of the Holy Spirit, we desire, not naturally, but supernaturally, we desire the things of God. We want him to be glorified. I love what one author said in regards to tested faith. He says this, a faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. We can put our trust in the reality that God strengthened us before and therefore God will strengthen us again. He was with us before. He'll be with us Again, we have to believe and put our faith in Christ and allow these testings to prove to us that our faith is real and we can fall on him in those times. And I want to say again, if you're in a situation where you say to yourself, I'm going through a trouble and there's a part of me that wants to go to God, there's a part of me that wants to believe, there's a part of me that doesn't. That's just that natural Romans 7 battle we all face. Allow the Spirit of God to lead you to, to go before God, to believe and to trust and to get into God's word and starve that flesh, starve the doubts, starve the, 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 the struggle that is that, that flesh that's trying to pull you away. Focus and feed the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of God to remind you of these things. And so our faith uh, can be proven through trials and troubles and hardships, but also these troubles, trials and hardships will prepare you for your purpose, prepare you for your purpose. During 1 Peter, go over just a couple pages to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James 1, 2 through 4. Listen to what James says here to the early church. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse or various kinds of temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You see, not only does it prove our faith, but it prepares us. For our purpose. James is writing to the early church. These are believers that are under great persecution. And he encourages them with the same thing Jesus did. He told them the truth. He didn't lie to them. He didn't say, oh, you guys will be fine. <laughs> You're gonna, you'll be fine. There's no issues. 
no worries. You're never going to have any trials or struggles. You're going to be great. Everything's fine. No, he tells them the truth. Listen, there will be temptations and testings of your faith. There will be times that you'll be tested and tried. Now, the words temptations here is referring to the idea of being tested. It is not a temptation to sin, but a testing of our faith through difficult times. And again, this is not so that God will go, okay, you passed the test, I'll keep being faithful to you. It's God allowing our faith to be tested, that it will be strengthened, that it will be, it'll be affirmed, and that we can have confidence that we can continue to live this life in Christ because he's given us the strength to do these things. Remember, anything we go through that we come out the other end as victorious, it is because of his grace. It is because of his strength in us. And that is why our faith is solid in him because he is trustworthy. The logical progression in James chapter 1, verses 2-4 through four, jumps out to us as we read these words. The various types of testing we face will work patience. That word patience is another word for the idea of endurance. That endurance which will grow us into maturity or perfection. This is not the idea of flawless or without faults or without any kind of a, uh, a struggle or a doubt or a weakness. This word perfect implies the idea of maturity, that we're getting mature, we're growing in our faith. So we face the trials which leads to patience, endurance, which leads to a growing up of our faith, a maturity, and we will be content in Christ wanting nothing. Why? Because we have discovered that Christ is enough. When I understand that I can grow up in my faith, that no, I don't need the troubles to go away necessarily. I don't need everything to be answered. I don't need to know I'm content in Christ because he walked this road and he laid the example before us and then he strengthens us by the working of the Comforter to get us through. That Christ is walking with us. The, the three Hebrews that are thrown in the fiery furnace. I love that story in Daniel because it tells us that when the king, when he looked into the fiery furnace, he said, how many did we throw in? And they said three. And he said, well, then why do I see four? And he actually says one seems to be the son of God. This is the reality that when we are going through the fiery furnace experience, sometimes God will deliver before, sometimes God delivers after, sometimes God delivers through. These three Hebrews said, we will not bow down and worship the image. Our God can deliver us out of your hand. And I'm paraphrasing, but if he doesn't deliver us, that's fine. And that's how I read it. That's fine. We still won't bow down because he is worthy. And so these individuals were willing to go through this difficult time, this sorrowful, crazy hardship, and say, listen, I know God can deliver me, but if for his glory he doesn't, then I'm okay with that. I'm content in Christ. Because I've grown up in my faith. And so they get thrown in and there's Jesus. I believe a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ there with them in the fire. See, Jesus doesn't allow us to go through the fire. And he sits over here in the beginning and waits for us after we come out. He gets down in the fire with us because he is with us. You see, our purpose in this world is not to live the American dream with some gospel sprinkled in. It is to make disciples for Christ. To know Christ and to make him known. And that means we will go through trouble sometimes. I see so many believers in our country, uh, so many individual Christians equating success in this world, things like finances, the stuff, the possessions, with success in Christ. The truth is, while God may bless in those other areas in this world, that is not our goal. Our goal as believers is not the, the, the little house with the white picket fence and the 2.5 kids which I always wondered about where the 
6.5 kid is. Uh, it's not the goal. It's not to be as comfortable and secure as possible. That is not the goal of Christianity. The goal of Christianity is to do whatever God calls me to do, wherever God calls me to do it, for His glory and His praise, that others would be uh, shared, or the knowledge of Christ would be shared with them, and they would come to know Christ. If I'm being real, my goal as a follower of Christ is to please Him in all things. My personal dreams of human success really don't matter when compared with the eternal weight of my calling in Christ. As we pursue our purpose for Christ, we will face troubles and trials. Don't quit. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ and realize He is with you. In conclusion, I want to wrap it up by saying this. While it is difficult at times to live as followers of Christ in the chaos and pain of this world, we know that we are in Christ and therefore we, through Christ, have overcome the world. Not so that we boast in ourselves or in our strength, but that we boast in Christ for His glory. I encourage you to jot it down in 1 John chapter 5. Verses 4 and 5, great encouragement there. I want to encourage you with some questions to ponder as we close this service. What are some benefits for you in your life? What have been some benefits of a faith that's been tested? Or what are some ways that you can start embracing trials as opportunities to strengthen your faith? The truth is Jesus never promised a life without trials, but he did promise he would never leave us or forsake us. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for the truth of your word, and thank you for the comforter you sent in the Holy Spirit. Thank you that when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit of God, that he seals us in the day of redemption. And Holy Spirit, you comfort us, you guide us into all truth, that we would have a peace that passes all understanding. The more we know the truth, that you, Lord Jesus, are with us by grace through faith, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that truth leads to peace. And I pray that truth will always lead our emotions that emotion will never lead truth. And so, Father, thank you for the truth that, yes, bad days come. We all experience difficult times. But thank you that it proves our faith and it prepares us for our purpose. May we keep our eyes on you, not on anything else, but focused on you. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day. And we'll see you tonight for our evening service. Hey, everyone. Um, a few people have reached out to us asking us um, for an update on what life is like in Poland these days. So I thought I would try to make a short uh, video update. It's been almost a month that we've been kind of in a, a quarantine sort of situation. The government has asked that people not leave their house um, for any reason except just the absolute necessities. Um, so schools are canceled, most businesses are closed. Um, our youngest, Elena, um, she's doing all her, her schooling, she's in sixth grade, um, doing it all online, uh, gets up in the morning, meets with her teachers through the school um, platform, um, does homework through the afternoon. Uh, Maya, who's in high school, same sort of situation, pretty busy, the teachers are giving her lots of work and she's able to do it all online. Uh, Sarah, who teaches English, um, is able to continue on with her lessons, uh, just doing it all from our house through the internet. So we're doing pretty well, maybe feeling a bit of uh, cabin fever, and, and um, it's, it's all a bit strange and all a little bit difficult. I'm also trying to pastor uh, and do that all through the internet, uh, which I find quite challenging, uh, trying to preach to a video camera and communicate to people uh, without having them in front of you, I, I don't find that very easy. 
Um, at the same time, it seems like the Lord is giving us an opportunity right now. Um, the Polish people, um, maybe like everyone, uh, are quite concerned, maybe even fearful um, during this time. And that seems to give us a bit of a, a opening to talk about the gospel and talk about um, uh, one day that we'll stand before the Lord. And are you ready for that day? So um, as Easter is, is here in the next days, I ask that you pray for us. Pray that the Lord would give us an opportunity to evangelize right now. It seems to me that we have a bit of an opportunity. And let's um, pray and ask the Lord that, that uh, we would use it wisely. And the Lord would allow us to reach out to people that maybe at uh, a few months ago, we wouldn't have had that, that opportunity to, to reach out to them. Um, Sarah's also had back pain for quite a few years, but I don't ever remember a month that it's been as difficult as the last month has been. Um, a few weeks ago, there were some days that she really wasn't even able to get out of bed. Um, and we're praising the Lord and we're very thankful that uh, there's been progress and she's feeling much better now um, than she was a couple weeks ago. Um, progress has been slow, but it, it looks like progress. And then um, another really big thing that's going on right now is our co-worker and fellow elder here in Shadolce, Adam Urban, uh, his grandmother was murdered last week. And of course, uh, the police investigation starts with looking at all of the family members um, as, as potentially involved in the murder. So the whole thing is just really sad and also just really difficult for the family to go through um, the, the investigation and, and everything that entails. Um, so the, the whole church here in Shadolson and Wukuf um, is, is going through a hard time. It's all a bit strange. Um, at the same time, um, we're well, uh, everyone in church is healthy. We don't have anyone either in Shadolse or in Wukuf that has been sick with the coronavirus. I mean, in the cities themselves, there are people that have the coronavirus, but I mean, in the um, local church in Shadolse and the church plant in Wukuf, um, everyone is healthy. So um, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your financial support. Um, I know that each of you are going through uh, this with us. So may God bless you as you try to minister in these um, unique times that the Lord has brought to us. Um, God bless you.